This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Second and ten against a four-man rush. Shannon didn't give him time, and he gets intercepted. Anticipated by Garrett Wallow. And so TCU takes it right back. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Prospects 101, brought to you by Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. This is the show where we discuss and analyze football prospects on all levels beyond the industry standard. High school, college, and the NFL draft. You name it, we cover it. You can follow and interact with us on all social media accounts at Prospects101Pod. I'm Kenny Keller, and I'm excited today to be joined by our very own TikTok superstar, Brandon Pastel. It's ridiculous. I'll find myself in bed looking at TikTok, and then 30 minutes later, I'm still just scrolling up video after video. I don't know what's happened to me since quarantine has started, but yeah, now I just can't stop watching TikTok videos at night. You've officially gone down the rabbit hole. It's unbelievable, man. I didn't <laughs> and know what TikTok all- was a month ago. <laughs> and I'm also pumped to be joined by the vice president of No Shoes Nation, Brandon Glessner. Boom, man. I, as you guys know, I'm a huge Kenny Chesney fan. Actually, I just love trap rock in general. I uh, find myself wearing a lot of tank tops during the summer, you know, no drinking shoes, a lot no of problem. Jimmy Buffett beers and, you know, some land shark. I don't <laughs> some know. Land shark. I got a couple of land sharks in my fridge right now. I drank many land sharks this weekend in quarantine. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's a beautiful weekend and it's a beautiful day to be talking about linebackers. If you've been following our show, you know, we've been breaking down prospects across all positions we started on offense so if you haven't listened to that go back and check out our offense uh prospect breakdowns by positions and we just started defense recently and now we're on linebackers and we're actually very fortunate because one of our hosts brandon glessner is a was a linebacker in high school was a linebacker coach in high school and still coaches linebackers to this day helps out down there in uh richmond we couldn't be. We couldn't have a better guy to help us break down linebackers today. So, Gless, I want you to start off by breaking down, you know, the criteria used to list these linebackers, what you see when you're evaluating them, and then also kick us off with a couple that caught your eye. Yeah, for sure. So, I think it's important to understand the state of the of the NFL linebacker, and it's a little bit of at this time, it's in a little bit of a crisis. And what I mean by that is <clears throat> because of the, a lot of the offenses that are being run at the college and the NFL level, you're really seeing a more emphasis on the pass than you are on the run. So I think the NFL, the split's about 65-35. So 65% pass, 35% run. 
And, you know, traditionally, a lot of linebackers were, were run players, right? I'm a really good run defender, and then occasionally I would drop back in the zone or, or need to, to cover a guy man-to-man. -man. I, I would say over the last 15 years, that trend has changed significantly. The NFL linebacker has to be just as good in the passing game as it is in the run game. And if you're not, you're only going to be a one-to-two down NFL linebacker. you got to be able to play zone well. you got to be able to cover backs out of the backfield. you got to be able to cover tight ends. And possibly you have to at least be able to run with a, a slot receiver from time to time on, on some shorter routes. So I think the guys that I looked at film – here are mostly two to three down linebackers, which means that, hey, they're, they're not only are they really good against the run, but they're good enough against the pass to stay on the field. And one of the ways that you can stay on the field as a linebacker, if you're not the greatest in man coverage or zone coverage, is if you're a good blitzer. Mm -hmm. And we have a couple guys here that are really, really talented blitzers and can really uh, play well when they're blitzing from the second level and have to go in between guards, tackles, and centers. So yep. just a little bit about the state of the NFL linebacker. Got to be a lot more versatile um, than they've ever been in the past due to just the athletes that the NFL has as well as the schemes that we're now seeing. So look at the run game. First thing I look at is instincts. And what I mean by instincts is if I read my keys and I see that gap that I'm responsible open, how fast do I close that gap, right? Or if it's an outside zone play and I'm, I'm settling in my gap and I'm moving along with the offensive line, as soon as I see the gap open, how quick do I shoot it, right? So really good instincts and a really good nose for the ball. Um, like I said, acceleration. I think is a is another one. Once I read my key and I see the ball is out, I see the ball carriers on the field. Once I get anywhere near close to the ball carrier, do I it, like is my speed the same or am mm -hmm. I accelerating mm -hmm. through the player? Right, and that's huge because that's closing speed. And you know, instead of giving up a five yard game, you're only giving up a three yard gain because your acceleration is really great. And you know, the ability to read keys. Right, mm -hmm. how fast do you process offensive line movement? Uh, and then block, destru block destruction is also huge, guys. So <laughs> a lot of these guys in the run game are going to get offensive linemen on them, right? It's just the way it is, especially with a lot of the, the zone schemes and the more athletic offensive linemen get, they're able to get to that second level to go block linebackers. Mm -hmm. So how do I get off of blocks? Do I do it well? Do I use my hands? Do I Am I able to kind of stun the blocker? Am I able to rip underneath am I able to use my athleticism without giving up ground and giving up an additional gap mm -hmm. so how great are they in block destruction and then it goes into the pass game how are their man coverage skills right are they athletic enough to cover a back or a tight end man-to-man -man coverage how's their zone coverage skills right how's their match zone coverage skills mm -hmm. like a lot of teams like to run what's called a match zone which is essentially you're playing zone coverage but instead of dropping to a spot on the field you're dropping to a man on the field. So mm -hmm. an example is if I'm a middle linebacker and I have to what's called push underneath number three, the number three receiver may be a tight end. Mm -hmm. I've got to make sure that I work my way underneath of that guy and I kind of play with him through the zone. It's just a, it's called a match zone. You know, how are my match zone coverage skills? So that's a little bit of what I looked for in the run game, in the pass game when kind of evaluating these guys that I have. Hey, Gless. So, it's talking a little bit more about the pass game for a middle linebacker. How does that, is it more pre-snap reads? Like, especially the RPO game in college football today. 
how do you know to uh, react to the run more or drop back in zone play pass? Because I know that's usually a read for the quarterback, and that's what, why he usually decides to either run it or pass the ball. So what does a linebacker do in that situation? Yeah, it depends on what type of linebacker. So if you're an inside backer, you're more than likely going to be a run player all the time. So you're going you're gonna to go and you're going to try to seal up your gap in the run. If you're an outside backer, uh, probably more of the same. It just depends on what the coverage is and who's in charge of what. So, for example, if it's – here's the thing about RPOs, man. RPOs are designed for short gains. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not designed for 20, 30-yard passing plays because, like, the offensive line is firing off like it's a run play, right? So right. the ball has to be out quick or mm-hmm. you're going to get an ineligible man down field calls mm-hmm. all the time. Good point. Yep. So – it really depends on your coverage. So if you're an outside backer and you're in man coverage and your guy releases down the field, it, it just depends on how your scheme is. You know, a lot of a lot of these teams are prepared for that and even won't even have their outside linebackers in that kind of position, right? So if they're in a down and distance or a formation that's really RPO heavy, they'll pro- my guess is without looking at, at film is that these schemes will actually – man up safeties and corners and even nickelbacks against some of those releasing receivers instead of giving up a linebacker to where he has to make a decision because that's the last thing you want to do Mm -hmm. as a linebacker right you don't want to create any indecision because if you create indecision you're going to be giving up yards either way before you get started on your prospects class i just want to remind our fans and our listeners that Today, we're talking about linebackers, and that it dawned on me when you said they got to be a good blitzer. These are not edge rushers. The edge rushers who would be considered tech, quote unquote linebackers in college football, we covered in our defensive line slash edge rusher show. So I just want to make, I just want to make it clear that this is going to, this show is going to more encompass, like you said, your two, three down linebackers, your interior linebackers, guys who aren't rushing the passer full time. So I just wanted to reiterate that before we started. Gless, why don't you kick us off with a couple prospects that have caught your eye? Yeah, really. So I'm going to start with the the two that absolutely jump off the film. And the both of these guys will be what I call three down linebackers at the next level. So, you know, like I explained a little bit earlier, these are guys that can play on rundowns and pass downs and still be effective in most NFL defensive schemes. So the first guy I'm going to cover, we've actually covered him on a previous podcast, a guy named Micah Parsons from Penn State. This guy does, he just does everything well. Extremely smooth player, plays zone coverage extremely well, plays man coverage extremely well. Uses different techniques in block destruction, but he's able to get off blockers. I think that's the biggest thing to know. He has one of the best noses for a football I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. He always just seems to be around or around the play, which tells me that he's an extremely smart and instinctive player. And for me, those guys are extremely productive NFL players because they're able to be around the ball and at least give themselves a chance. Now, he's a, he's a really great tackler. I think one of the things that sets him apart is he's an excellent blitzer in the interior, mm-hmm. right? He's able to blitz the A-gap, B-gap, and sometimes the C-gap, and he's able to get through and get past offensive linemen. I think that makes him extremely, extremely valuable at the NFL level. So he tackles well. He's got a big, wide wingspan, which is certainly helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's Again, like I say, he's a very smooth player when he plays out there, plays plays the pass well, zone, and man, and he's an excellent blitzer. So I think he's kind of the the package, and in my opinion, 
is the closest thing that we have to in, in Isaiah Simmons in this upcoming draft. Now, he's not as versatile as Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons is, is, but he's versatile in the sense that he could play inside backer mm-hmm. or he could play outside backer. Right, so outside backer in a in a three in a four three or you know one of the or or in a three four could play the the non blitzing outside mm-hmm. linebacker there. So versatile, I think this guy's a can't miss, extremely productive player. Now the second guy I'm going to talk about, Dylan Moses out of Alabama. Now this guy did not play in 2019 due to a uh, torn ACL in camp. But out of everybody, this guy brings the freaking wood. <laughs> I mean, this dude is just leveling guys, and it's big hit after big hit after big hit. Love it. Has outstanding acceleration, right? I talked about acceleration earlier. He's really able to accelerate through ball carriers and through receivers extremely well. Unbelievable athleticism, guys. Listen to some of his spring workout stuff from his freshman year at Alabama. Ran a 4.4640. As a linebacker, Jeez. benched 405, squatted 505, and cleaned 335. <laughs> so his film is really good. It's, it is limited because it's only one year. But if anything, he's going to be an absolute combine warrior, right, mm-hmm. which would move him up high into yep. round one anyways. But his, fil- I mean, his film's impressive. There's no doubt about it. When it comes to block destruction, he really kind of uses his athleticism more more than his kind of aggression. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's not a bad thing to do. It's just sometimes you can find yourself out of position when you do that. So, for mm-hmm. example, if I try to run around a blocker instead of engaging him and shedding him and getting in my gap, there's a chance that if I'm if I'm faced against a really athletic offensive lineman, that if he's moving with me, the gap is that I'm responsible for is going to get bigger, which you're susceptible to big plays in the run game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So sometimes that could be a negative, but it just depends on how good you are, right? Like this dude's a freak and he's extremely fast, so it may not even matter. I think he's an excellent blitzer as well. I'm so impressed at some of the blitzes that he had instinctual. And like I said, he has better acceleration than Parsons does, but he's not as good in the pass game as Parsons is. So, I think he's really good in man because he's such a good athlete. Like, he can man up with anybody. Mm-hmm. But I think he just needs more zone coverage and Matt zone coverage experience and more of that film out there in order for me to evaluate them a little better. So I, I think this guy's a, a, a can't-miss first-round prospect just like Parsons is. Uh, but I think he just needs a tad bit more refinement. And I think he has twenty twenty to do that. Yeah, and to define can't-miss... I think he's a can't miss first round player, but he's a, he is a can miss uh, player. As in, for for example, Michael Parsons. I think he's one of the best linebacker prospects to come out, and I think he's gonna be an absolute stud in the NFL. I can see Dylan Moses absolutely not being that same guy in the NFL because he's been this kind of athlete since he was like the age of 13, 14. I think got offered by LSU at the age of 15. He's just kind of just gotten away with his athletic ability all the way through high school and college at this point. So I kind of worry about players like this by not developing that technique, not developing those pre-snap reads at linebacker. And I think this is his first year actually playing that inside linebacker. I'm not completely positive on that, but I am curious to see how he develops and kind of hopefully getting away from his natural ability and kind of start developing that technique. Mm-hmm. If you remember, they did an article on him a while back. This is that kid that did three a days at the age of like 13 years old. He would wake <laughs> up, I think it was 5 a.m. in the morning, and do 
400 push-ups, 800 sit-ups, and then 10 minutes of jump rope, and then go to school. That's Come back, awesome. do another uh, workout. And like I said, it was, I think it was an LSU camp at the age of 15. He ran like a 4-4-40, and every coach's mouth just dropped. <laughs> like Les yeah. Miles was, I think that was his, the, yeah. the youngest recruit he ever actually offered. As there, awesome. He played. He played at the IMG Academy down in Florida, which is generally you get a lot of these. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of kids like that, right? That that maybe go to public schools or they go to schools that just don't get a lot of looks. So you know they go to these camps and people at IMG get a hold of them, and then you're in a, a top tier high school program that plays a national schedule. I mean, guys are freak, just like Brandon said. I mean, yeah. there's there, there's no way around it. I just I can't wait to see him finally get on the field you know, for more than one year and show more than one year of film. So he'll be an exciting guy to watch in 2020. I was going to say, I know he was being talked about as a first round pick if he would have declared and he didn't even play in 2019. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. And the rest of the SEC has been put on notice. Let's just put it that way. You know, Alabama, Alabama is already always awesome. And then they get a piece back like like Dylan Moses. and, And it's just, it's scary for the rest of the SEC. What's up, Prospect 101 fans? Looking to win money but think there's nothing to bet on? Well, there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you can find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls, Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Pastel, why don't you kind of kick us off with some of the players that caught your eye? Yeah, so have you ever heard about the legend of Troy Anderson from Montana State? Now, this guy is a six foot three, 233-pound, I don't know, linebacker, safety, quarterback, running back. He's got to be the most versatile player in all of college football. And if you haven't heard of him, go back and watch him in this film. Go back and watch him in the games. He's that guy that won the, the miracle in Missoula. If, I don't know if you remember that, 2018. Uh, Montana State, they haven't been to an FCS playoffs since 2014. And they had to beat Montana, who was one of the more dominating teams at the time. And they were down 22 to nothing. So this this sophomore quarterback, he was playing quarterback at the time, even though his freshman year he was playing running back and linebacker. But a quarterback at the time willed Montana State back and won 29 to 25 off a gold line stand with like 10 seconds left. It was one of the Love most it. amazing games nice. you'll see at the FCS level. And it was 100%, I won't say 100%, a lot to do with that guy right there. They interviewed him after the game. He was like, I wasn't going to let my guys lose. Will not let my guys lose. I have way too many seniors on this team to go out like that. It was unbelievable. It was, it was phenomenal to see. Now, this guy, like I said, he was a quarterback and safety out of high school. He was recruited to play linebacker. He was the 2017 Big Sky Freshman of the Year, and he played running back and linebacker. Sophomore wow. year, they switched him to quarterback. He's extremely fast. I think you're going to see him in the combine run probably a 4 5 40. But he was the first team All Big Sky quarterback his sophomore year. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, and then, so, the, so the, my player comp for this guy is Jack Miles from UCLA. I'm an idiot. 
Remember him? He was that mm-hmm. running back and linebacker mm-hmm. for UCLA that before it kind of blew his leg out, he was, I mean, we're talking about one of the best college football players of the year that year, playing mm-hmm. on both sides of the football. And that's what you give with Troy Anderson. He's extremely fast, great playmaker. He needs to get stronger, but I think he will once he kind of fully transitions to the defensive side of the ball. And I think his technique is good. It's not great. But again, I think that might just be lack of playing time. So they are, from all reports that I've seen, they are going to transition them more to playing more linebacker and just kind of utilize them as an offensive weapon when they need to this upcoming year. But he's still, I think last year, he's still, oh man, I think I think it was like 80, 90 tackles. So he's still got plenty of reps on the defensive side of the mm-hmm. ball. You just got to, for an NFL prospect, you want to see him play more defense, develop those pre-snap breeze, develop more of that those things that you have to learn in the game film, but you can't do if you're playing quarterback, running back, linebacker, and safety. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of have to hone your skills, and I'm really looking for him to do that this year and then possibly be a fifth-round pick next year in the NFL draft purely off of athleticism. He's going to take a t- some time in the NFL to develop, but he's a fun prospect to watch. Please, please go watch the Montana State football this year because he is one of those guys that you won't see too often in your generation. It's a very interesting prospect. Uh, like you said, you don't hear about a guy who plays this many different positions, especially on, like, if this was high school, you'd understand. Because a lot of guys play Ironman football in high school, and they play a bunch of different positions, a litany of different positions. I mean, you guys did in high school as well. To see it in college, though, is super rare. And to see someone who does it that well at so many different positions on, on both sides of the football is extremely entertaining. I guess the biggest concern would be, yeah, like you said, he needs more reps if he's going to play linebacker at the next level. He needs to develop more as a as a linebacker because in the NFL, that's not going to happen. He's not going to play Ironman football, at least not consistently. Uh, he might be like, you know, a, a gimmick type player, but uh, at a, at a, maybe on offense, but it's something that's not going to be sustainable in the NFL. So you want to see him get develop better habits at linebacker. And I think you definitely want to see if if his athleticism is going to hold up in the NFL. You know, I'm interested to see if he gets invited to the combine, is he playing at Minnesota or sorry, is he playing at Montana State because he's limited athletically or is he just kind of a a hidden gem? So, I I'm excited to see him develop this year. Gless, what are what are some other guys that you saw that caught your eye on tape? Yeah, so I got a couple more here. Chaz Surratt out of North Carolina. I think this guy is another potential three-down linebacker. Extremely athletic, ran a, a 4.5440 at North Carolina. I think what really sold it for me is I look at the game against Clemson, and he's just out there making a lot of plays. And and that was a game, if you guys remember, North Carolina came up literally just short a point, of yep. – uh, just came up one point short of mm-hmm. beating Clemson. Now, interesting case, he was actually recruited as a quarterback – to North Carolina. He's actually the brother of Sage Surratt, Kenny, your boy from uh, receiver at Wake Forest. And he made the uh, transition over to linebacker last season. So first time ever playing linebacker. And he only ended up turning in one of the best seasons ever in the (laughs) ACC. Second in the ACC in tackles, 15 tackle for losses, 6.6 and a half sacks. And he was running her up for ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in, he's fantastic in pass coverage, both as an inside and outside linebacker. And a lot of that can be credited back to his quarterback days. He just he understands the passing game. He understands progressions. He understands receivers and how they're supposed to move through man coverage and zone coverage. He really uses that to an advantage, and he's he's really great against that. I think he's another extremely instinctive player. He's just naturally instinctive and has really great acceleration. A lot like Dylan Moses. I mean, he's really able to put his hand in the, put his foot in the ground, and as soon as a guy catches a ball or a running back breaks to the outside, he just runs him down. I mean, he's just got incredible acceleration. 
The only thing that he really needs to work on is he needs to be more consistent with his tackling and his angles. And I think that'll come with time with more reps. I mean, we're talking about a guy who really has only played one season at linebacker. So the more reps, game reps he gets, I think the better that he will be. But naturally and talent-wise, he absolutely has what it takes to be a three-down linebacker at the next level. Uh, so I think that's really exciting and definitely a prospect to watch. And then one other guy I, I wanted to talk about before I get into my sleeper, you know, Patty Fisher out of, out of Northwestern, 2017-2018 seasons, racked up over 100 tackles each season, double-digit tackle for losses for Northwestern. Now, this guy is old school, man. He is the <laughs> Jack Lambert. I mean, I'm telling you, when he plays in the NFL, I hope he wears, like, the cowboy collar. Yeah. Right? He's just kind of one of those old school middle linebackers. Now, unfortunately, I only think he's a one to two down linebacker at the next level. And the big thing is just he lacks athleticism mm-hmm. in pass coverage. I mean, it's just that's just what it is. He can't – I don't think he can be trusted to, to defend against a – running back in the backfield or a mm-hmm. tight end releasing mm-hmm. down the seams. I just don't know if he's athletic enough to do that, at least in man coverage. So I think he's got to work on that in 2020. He had really a down 2019, and a lot of it had to do to that the, the, the pass coverage aspect of his game. He decided to come back for his fifth season. So I think he's probably a day two, possibly really early day three pick as far mm-hmm. as an inside linebacker is concerned, and just mainly because he's just limited athletically. Um, but there's no doubt about it when it comes to being instinctive and being really great in the run game. Uh, you know, Patty Fisher is, is certainly up there. And again, if you like to watch old school linebacker play, Patty Fisher's your guy. So what you're saying, Gless, is fans of Northwestern just should probably put on tape of their head coach in the late 90s, uh, and that would be Pat Fitzgerald, because that's exactly who this exactly sounds like you're, you're scouting Pat Fitzgerald, who was an All-American linebacker at Northwestern, actually led Northwestern to a Rose Bowl. Uh, was an extremely, extremely productive linebacker and unfortunately just didn't really pan out the next level. And again, I think kind of the same thing. He was limited athletically, but he's one of those old school grinders at linebacker. But, you know, those guys still have a role in the NFL. You know, they, they might be dying out or they might be less needed than what the current linebackers are ne- are, are asking for, what the, what the position is asking for in the NFL, but those guys are still needed. You still need your grinders. You still need your guys who can who can come in and play smash mouth football. Unfortunately, they're just, you know, like you said, are, are only needed for maybe one down or a couple plays a game, you know, 10, 15, 20 snaps a game versus the entire game. So I'm excited to see, you know, maybe if he if he can add some some strength and some athleticism and increase his agility and his speed if if he can make make a jump into the next level. Now, Pastel, I looked at your last two linebackers here and I got to say I love Garrett Wallow. He's one of my favorite <laughs> linebackers in the country. He's awesome. And why, yeah, why don't you why don't you go ahead and start with him? So the interesting point with kind of all these linebackers that we said, we mentioned besides uh Fisher that Gluster just mentioned, these guys all played other positions at the high school level, whether that was quarterback, whether that was safety, whether that was running back. And what that tells me is, again, they need a more hybrid type of player, a faster player, a more athletic linebacker mm-hmm. to play in today's system, which is, again, I kind of can see Fisher falling like hard next year in the NFL draft just because I do think he, it is a dying breed. Like Every team might have one of those players left. But Garrett Wallow, crewed as a safety, he's a six foot two. He's only 212, 215 pounds. He absolutely needs to put on more weight. Mm-hmm. But his his game tape is just unbelievable. I mean, he is everything you want in a linebacker. I think he only allowed, yeah, he averaged about seven yards per catch 
on over 30 coverage attempts last year, which is exactly what you want to see from the linebacker position. He covers tight ends and running backs out of the backfield very well. He had over 125 tackles, three and a half sacks, and an interception, and he wears the cowboy collar. He's that guy. He, he wears <laughs> it. it. Uh, the only thing with him, because I do think his, his angles are good, the only problem with him is, again, it might have something to do with his weight, is he doesn't really explode through the point of, of contact. Like, he'll tackle somebody, and he'll kind of just hang his body off him. Hopefully that running back goes down, that quarterback goes down. And in college football, it's worked out for him well. I'm a little nervous at the NFL level that they're going to be able to shed his tackles. Also, he's not very great off getting getting off blocks. So when you have that offensive lineman kind of going down to that second level, he has a hard time kind of shedding those blocks from the line, from the offensive lineman, and that's something that he just has to get stronger. He has to get better at that. But his athleticism and his natural ability to read the quarterback and the running back angles is what makes him such a great player, and he's the heartbeat of that, that defense. And you always want to see – your linebacker kind of take that role, kind of like quarterback on the offense. You want to see mm-hmm. your linebacker kind of be that guy. He absolutely is that guy for TCU. Well, and and Gary Patterson's always had great defensive players. You know, there's yep. a there's a strong line of of first round picks who've come out of TCU, first and second round picks coming out of TCU on defense in that four two five defense, which has always been kind of a stifle in the Big Twelve. They've been one of the rare schools that plays defense in the Big Twelve. Pastel, my question is. At six two, is there a concern that you know he might not be able to put on enough weight? Yeah, there absolutely is, and that's why I think he might drop. I think he could be a fourth round pick so far, kind of what I've seen off game tape. But there is absolutely that worry that if he does put on say fifteen twenty more pounds, will he lose a lot of that athleticism? Mm-hmm. And at the at six two, which who really knows? He might be closer to six one. They kind of always inf- uh, inflate the height on mm-hmm. these player pro- uh, bios. I really don't know if he is going to be able to translate that to, to the NFL level. So that's why it definitely worries me. Now, I will say this, and I've said this in other segments, game tape doesn't lie. So mm-hmm. go watch this guy play, and he just absolutely dominates on, on the collegiate level. It's tough because it, it, he's kind of the, the hybrid. Like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, if you told me he was 6'3", I'd be like, oh, he has the frame. Absolutely has the frame. <laughs> you tell me 6'2", and it's like, I don't know. So we're playing with an inch or two here, and he's just one of those guys. We'll find out. I think he will be okay on the NFL level. If not, mm-hmm. they're just going to use him as that hybrid safety that a lot of people are the rovers more yeah. or less. Where he kind of fits and recruit as a safety is four two five, right? So kind of yeah. that, yeah, kind of that rover. I mean, that's really what he is, right? Six two two twelve, more of that ho- rover hybrid that not only can play in pass coverage, but that can come up and really play in the run and play in the box. That, that's where I see him at. He's a great player, though. Um, and Gary Patterson thrives. And the reason that they, they run that set down there is because they're able to kind of recruit a little bit undersized, you know, 20-pound, you know, 6'2", you know, 210 linebackers and, and safeties and really kind of fit him in there. So It's so tough with these Swiss Army Knife guys and these, and these hybrid guys because some guys pan out in the NFL and some yeah. guys you just – you just don't hear from ever again, or they're relegated to special teams for their career, or they're that guy who get who ends up on a team every year because the coach is like, "Hey, I'm going to find a place for this guy. I'm going to find a place for this guy," and he never does. So it'll be interesting to see as defenses continue to evolve in the NFL, as offenses continue to evolve, and defenses trying to keep up. If if Garrett can find a spot in the NFL, so that's a, a good prospect to keep an eye on. Pastel, who else have you seen? Well, so the funny thing is, my next guy, Christian Ellis, he's six foot three, two hundred thirty five pounds. That's a great size for a linebacker, right? I mean, give uh, give the uh, the previous uh, player an inch and 15 pounds, and he's this guy, Christian Ellis from Idaho, another small school prospect. And if you remember, his dad, Luther Ellis, 
was an All-American at Utah and was a two-time Pro Bowler for the Lions and the Broncos. He was a first-round pick, I think 20th overall. And his brother, he just got selected, Caden Caden mm-hmm. Owens, seventh-round pick to the Saints uh, mm-hmm. two years ago, or a year ago. I think he tore his ACL this past year. So if you want like a, a jump-off point, so that's where his brother got drafted, and he's better than his brother. Nice. So if you haven't heard about this kid, he's extremely, extremely knowledgeable of the game because, one, his dad. I mean, he's the D-line coach for Idaho. He definitely knows how to play the game of football, and then his production's right there with it. In 2018, he was all big sky, third team, led the team in 81 tackles. That's with his brother on the team, by the way. He had four tackle for losses and a forced fumble. In 2019, he had 104 tackles, 12.5 tackles for losses, and 4.5 sacks. So you kind of just see in his game develop every single year. And I can only imagine what this year is going to be. If he keeps going at that trajectory, oh, man, you're going to see his 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 draft stock's going to rise really quick, especially because now you already see his brother making a name for himself in the NFL. You might have not heard of about, about him in college, but he's kind of setting the, the path for Christian Ellis. As far as him, though, he's very instinctive. He... I think he could get better at pass coverage, but that's just, you're going to hear that a lot when you talk about middle linebackers. They could all get better unless they are a previous safety or something like that. So that's something he's going to have to keep developing. Uh, but as far as a natural linebacker, he has a very good feel for the game. He knows how to uh, read the quarterback and kind of like use that to his advantage by getting the angles on on these running backs to kind of know what the play is going to be before the play even starts. And I think that a lot has to do with his dad kind of coaching him up in Idaho because he kind of has that. NFL experience so he's gonna be an interesting prospect another small school prospect right now I kind of got a late fifth sixth round grade but I absolutely mm-hmm. have the projectory to jump in there possibly late third but probably early fourth the good thing is he's a coach's son obviously you talked about his dad being the D-line coach at Idaho and then you know his dad was an all-pro you know all-american at Utah played for the Lions two-time pro bowler Luther Ellis so the lineage is there. You know, you, a lot of these kids who are, who are sons of former pros and sons of, of professional athletes always have that understanding of the game, that innate understanding, because they grew up in it. They've been around it. That's one thing that Christian has going for him, and Caden as well, his older brother, is they understand the game. They understand the ins and outs of the game. And that's something that is very tough to teach sometimes. Gless, why don't you wrap up here with the your sleeper of the of the draft. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to go with the sleeper and then just a quick comment on just college linebackers just because it it came to mind as I was doing my research this morning. So my sleeper is a guy named it doesn't get better than this guy as an inside <laughs> linebacker. Name Tough Borland from Ohio State. That's a great Tough. name. T U F. It's so fantastic. I watched some film on him this year. He wasn't a full-time player at Ohio State last season. Uh, but he, you know, played the majority of the snaps. Incredibly instinctive player, and he's extremely aggressive, not only in the run game, but it as well as blitzing. He's just a tad bit undersized. You like to see him add probably about 10 more pounds, and then you could really kind of consider him a, a day two, possibly even a day three pick. I think with a really strong 2020, I think he can climb up a lot of boards, but he made some outstanding plays last year. Like I said, when when we look at in the run game of being instinctive and having great acceleration, awesome block destruction. He's able to get off blocks and, and really go make a play. And then, you know, I saw some decent, decent athleticism in, in his zone covered skills, especially. So guy has it to be an NFL linebacker. I think with a great 2020, he can really climb, climb up there. Now my comment guys, I, I want you guys to comment on this because I, I remember watching 
Clemson in the national semifinal against Ohio State, which may have been the best game I watched last season yeah. as far as two teams just going toe-to-toe. It was awesome to watch. And then I remember watching him in the national championship game, and I watched some other, other Clemson football games. My sister went there, so I, I tend to watch Clemson when they're on. Does it get any better than Clemson University's linebacker core last year? And, and let me explain why. So you had Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons, top 10 pick, right? A guy who, <clears throat> by all accounts, is the be- biggest Swiss Army knife in all of college football, can play, really can play most positions. But guys, the, right next to him, you had these three guys with just this long, flowy hair, and they all had cowboy collars. Oh, like, I don't awesome. know if you guys saw that, but it was just incredible. <laughs> so you had Jay Skalaski, Chad Smith, and Braylon Spector. All, all they, they wore number four. I'm sorry. Uh, Braylon Spector wore number 10, but Skalaski and Smith wore a 40 number, which is a fantastic number for a linebacker. And they all had, like, a big white cowboy collar. And they're just running dudes down from sideline to sideline. I mean, they're like the Bash brothers out there. It was so much fun to watch. I was like, man, I hope the cowboy collars come back. It was such a great look. That was awesome look, and it's so intimidating. When you're lined up on the other side of the ball and you see this guy with long hair or maybe he's got like a Fu Manchu or something or, you know, he's got this big cowboy collar, you're thinking twice about running the ball at the middle on those guys. You're like, man, I don't know. Something's just off about this Whoa. guy. Something's off <laughs> about those guys. <laughs> What's even scarier, scarier in Isaiah uh, Simmons' uh, player profile is like, that guy, you can't run outside either. He's faster than you on the outside. Yeah. So, like, not only yeah. scary in the middle, that dude, I think he beat, was it Tra- Travis Etienne in a race last year? This Ugh. guy, oh, my goodness. Talk about a horse collar and the guy that runs a four four forty, Freakish. That's crazy, man. Well, as we start to wrap up the show here, if you've been listening to our previous shows, you know we always end the show on getting to know a prospect. And this is a, a segment where – Irregardless of position, whatever position we might be covering or whatever we might be talking about on the show, we're going to give you a prospect who's going to be eligible for the 2021 draft that either you might not know much about or isn't a very highly ranked prospect. That's not to say we're not going to talk about highly ranked prospects, but our goal is to kind of introduce prospects who just aren't on the national radar or aren't talked about frequently like your Trevor Lawrence's or your Justin Fields or your Micah Parsons, etc. So Brandon, why don't you let us know who you picked for your prospect to watch today? Yeah, I chose Puka Williams. He's the running back for Kansas. And I chose a running back because I really do believe after the top three, it's a crapshoot for who's the next running back. I know a lot of people like the guy from Memphis and a couple other guys from Mississippi State. But this guy, Puka Williams from Kansas, he's 5'10". He's only a, a buck seventy, so he's kind of a slighter frame. But watch how he plays. He, he, so my, the number one thing I look at in a running back is how does he navigate in traffic? And I always love to see running, running backs be able to stay within the hashes, and be able to like make yards. I hate when I see running backs kind of bouncing outside unless you just have that God get, like God-gifted ability to do so, which is very rare. I mean, not, not everybody's Reggie Bush. So Puka Williams, extremely good between the hashes, knows how to stay low at the point of contact and kind of break tackles, even for a slighter frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, guy, this guy, as a senior in high school, had 3,100 yards and 37 touchdowns. Wow. Like, I know high school production is... You usually hear crazy stats, but that's that's crazier than crazy. I mean, that's absurd. This guy also, so he's had back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons as a freshman and a sophomore. He's going to his junior year. He broke Gale Sayers' record for most rushing yards in his first mm. two seasons. So anytime, anytime you name anybody in the likes of Gale Sayers, you got a ball player. So I think with him, he's just got to continue doing what he's doing. Hopefully he can add about 10 more pounds and not lose that athleticism. 
And then that's when I think you will start seeing his name kind of jump up on the draft boards to a to a third, fourth round pick. I, yeah. I still don't see him as a second or anything like that. But he's he's a he's a good player to watch. It's fun to watch. So Kansas football has been struggling lately. Hopefully, Les Miles can. I mean, shoot, I don't think they've beaten a ranked team in 38 games. It's like close to that. It's like 40 games I, straight. Yeah, they it wouldn't it. surprise me. Yeah, because like, I think when they I think when they beat Texas, Texas wasn't ranked because that was when Texas was like five and seven or something that year. Yeah. Okay. So they're they have a 45 game losing streak against road conference games and 38 game losing streak against uh, somebody ranked in the AP poll. That's wow. not good. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not great. I mean, Kansas hasn't historically been a great program, but they also haven't been this bad. Because if you remember, when we were in high school, they made the Orange Bowl. Like they won it. You know, they were a game away from playing in the national championship that year if they didn't if they didn't lose to Missouri in the last game of their regular season. So it's good to see Kansas, you know, investing more in their program. They have less miles. Puka Williams is a star. He's obviously had some off the field issues and you know, hopefully he's cleaned that up and is a more productive person off the field moving forward. And and like you said, Brandon, he broke Gail Sayers' record for most rushing yards for a player in the first two seasons. Now, it is important to remember Gail Sayers went to Kansas, so I believe that's a Kansas stat, not a national stat. Oh, correct, I think, correct. Yeah, I just wanted to point that out. But Gail Sayers, yeah, so exactly. Kansas has some lineage. Kansas hasn't been this dumpster fire their entire program's history. But I I, I agree, Brandon. Puka Williams is a, is a fun prospect to watch, and – I also got to say he's one of my favorite guys because he helped win me a uh, college fantasy football championship last year, which I believe I beat. I be, which I believe I beat you two guys in just for the. Record. Uh, you did, yeah. I had a really good start and then uh, really tailed off. I think I lost like seven <laughs> games in a row. I have a problem with picking players that I like, which is never good for fantasy football. No, never is. No. Uh, maybe that's a maybe that's a show we'll have to dive into too. Maybe we'll drop a couple college fantasy football shows on this as well, and, and, and wrap it around some prospects that we like. But anyway, um, so that's our show today, guys. I hope you guys, hope everyone enjoyed listening to it. As always, you can find us on any place you find your favorite podcast: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. You name it, we're on it. Don't forget to leave us a five star rating on Apple Pods and leave a review. Who knows? Maybe we'll read it on air next time we're on. As always, thanks for listening. I'm Kenny Keller. On behalf of Brandon Pastel and Brandon Glessner, have a great day. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts.